0: What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by sea Geek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside Jim Mike at Pelicans.com. And as we continue our player recaps here, as we heard from Will Guillory and Brandon Ingram was our topic yesterday. Now we continue to Zion Williamson to help us out with that. We welcome in Andrew Lopez, who covers the Pelicans and the NBA for ESPN.com. Andrew, how are you, man? How's the offseason treating you? I know there's really no offseason for you right now.
1: Yeah, I'm still waiting for the offseason to uh, to show up. Um, I, uh, I I have been been covering playoff series and, and, and getting things ready for uh, doing suffered for com on that side. So uh, I think my my off season comes in like a month or so, maybe depending on how some of these teams do. But um, other than that, it's been it's been great, man. It's been uh, I'll tell you what this past weekend of of basketball the the two quadruple headers saturday and sunday i, I don't i don't remember last time that all those game ones were so much fun to watch so uh, i'm very much uh looking forward to 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 these playoff games coming up
0: well let's just start there because we do want to touch on you know what's going on around the nba i know our focus is on player recaps and we'll get design, but since you just brought it up i'll go to you andrew and then i'll go to jim which game did you like the most which one was the most intriguing That i might not be a fair question based on what you just said over the weekend, but was there one that you were just like, wow, I can't believe that one, but which matchup did you like the most? Probably.
1: It was, it was probably the Knicks. (laughs) Knicks Mm -hmm, That's, that's the one I'm I'm covering, but uh, it was a reminder. And I think the entire weekend was a reminder of um, how, how much fun sports are with fans. and, And that's one thing that we've missed so much. I think, in the last, you know, uh, what, 15, 16, 17, however long it's been at this point. Uh, but here in I, I think it started for me in the playing games when you saw the court side seats get kind of brought back the way they were in the Golden State game, in the Laker game. Um, seeing, Seeing Madison Square Garden, though, with 15,000, sounding like 45,000. Every game, every every bucket that they made, it felt like it was like it was like game seven. Uh, Emmanuel quickly turned into like Steph Curry for a minute. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, it was great. And then Trey Young spoils the whole thing, um, and gives a great end of game line that I cannot repeat here. Uh, <laughs> what he said on the court, uh, but he he did give the shush. So. It was it was an excellent series. It's I mean an excellent game one for a series that I I, I truly think is going to go seven. Um, I know the Hawks probably don't want that. I know they they probably want no part of a game seven in New York City, but it, it it just felt like even though they weren't full arenas, and I know some are getting like the Hawks are going to have ninety six percent. I think Boston's getting close to full capacity, but to me it it, it kind of reminded you a little bit but between that, the PGA, everything, like watching softball regionals even uh, this past weekend, it, it just kind of
2: reminded you about that side of uh, of things. What about you, Jim? Yeah, I think the weekend game started out with an overtime game between the Bucks and the Heat. I, it felt like that was kind of a good omen. Um, I mean, I, I love – there was a lot of drama in the game that Andrew just mentioned. There were several other games that were really close – I love the fact that it seemed like there were some surprising outcomes, including the Grizzlies beating Utah. A lot of people said, you know, the Grizzlies have just played a couple play in games that went down to the last couple minutes. How much do they have left? Well, it turns out that they have enough left to beat the number one seed in the opening game. So um, I thought Lakers Suns was really, com- really good, compelling basketball to watch. I mean, there was so much good stuff, but I'll kind of echo what Andrew said, too. To me, the biggest positive of the whole weekend, regardless of the fact that the basketball was so good, was just seeing the arenas. Just not only just short term of being able to have the excitement of these playoffs, but realizing how um, what a what a good sign that is for next season, because I I know probably even a few weeks ago, there were people saying, "Okay, what is the beginning of next season going to look like? And I I don't have a crystal ball and I can't predict the future, obviously. But I mean, based on what you saw this weekend, you got to think there's a great chance that we're going to be back in really good shape by the beginning of next season in October. And to me, that's the biggest takeaway from anything that happens basketball wise is just that that's such a good feeling to know that things are going back to getting back to normal and are already almost there.
1: You have something to add Andrew? I did. Uh, I was, uh, I was shocked to learn that Jim did not have a crystal ball in his, pelicans uh package i thought that was something that they provided (laughs) you uh as part of being a team uh team report that is that not is that not true i didn't
2: yeah i think i was provided one but it doesn't seem to work so i don't (laughs) i don't know what i don't know what the deal is there I, i guess i need to ask for a refund or something probably so
0: (laughs) well props to Jim for avoiding the actual question and not answering what I asked as far as picking a series and Andrew did so with saying Nixon and Nixon the Hawks but along the way let's let's move on to Zion Williamson here because I know Jim will answer some questions uh, on Zion we'll start with you Jim look I mean obviously Zion 27 points per game 61 percent from the field seven rebounds I mean we can read his stats all day and what he did uh, from a history standpoint but uh i what we did with brandon i asked you and will about just giving an overall feel for zion or for brandon in year two what about zion in year two uh whether we want to go back to comparing from year one to year two but just give your overall thoughts and i'll go to andrew as far as just how he did this year for the pelicans
2: um lakers sons by the way <laughs> uh, thanks as far as Zion goes I, I don't know how i missed that i you know i go off on these tangents and i forget where i started but anyways <laughs> Um, I, I think one of the things that David Griffin said the day after the season ended really stood out to me in terms of Zion as a rookie was put in a position where he was playing kind of out of the post more. And he put up incredible numbers as a rookie this season, he was, you know, point Zion, he was out on the floor, ball handling playmaking. And he again, put up historic numbers, his efficiency even went up, even though he was playing further from the basket, most of the time on offense. So that was one of my biggest takeaways about him is just the fact that he's so versatile, the fact that, I mean, he's a, such an incredible offensive player. And this has been said a million times, but just he's a guy that we haven't, he, he does things that we haven't seen. and He's a player that we really haven't seen before. And it's hard to even compare just the way that he is so productive and so efficient on offense. To,
1: to me, it was, uh, it was Zion taking, taking that leap that that you expected him to do in the second year, even though it seemed more subtle, uh, as Jim was pointing out, we saw different variations of him this year. We saw Point Z. We didn't see him much as a post up threat uh, as as much as we did in year one. He started to figure things out, and we were, and I, I mean I remember talking to him at points during the season. He he was saying how things were starting to slow down, but he, even he was kind of surprised that you know he didn't expect the playmaking part to come as quickly as it did. And I think that was kind of the, my, my biggest takeaway. And you look at his numbers, he still only averaged under four assists a game, but as I think the, the Pelicans brass and David Griffin and Trajan and Swin and, and Bryson and all these guys, as they start to put those pieces around him that will fit a little bit better uh, as we get a little bit more shooting Um. As you as you figure out some more things to 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 give him the the space he needs, I think that assist number is going to continue to go up because teams are just going to key in on him. And as we saw, he's starting to figure everything out. He's starting to to see the floor better. We we, we saw all of his percentages jump, the the free throw percentage jumped up. Uh, his two-point field goal percentage, his overall field goal percentage, his three-point percentage is kind of uh, it looks a lot worse, but it's, I mean, he kind of shot at the same once you take out that four for four San Antonio game. Right. So uh, to me, there's a, he made the steps on that end. It, it's just going to be continued growth on the defensive end. And then I want to see how, how he continues to grow um, as a playmaker. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll go with
0: you, Andrew here. And then go back to Jim, but we talk about the different ways, whether it was from the top of the key or was it down low in a post presence. His ability to finish at the rim, and there be so many times that whether it was you or Will or Christian that posted his shot chart for the night, and it's just all green, green, green in the in the middle there, right by the rim, and not really much else. I mean, how impressed were you just the fact that no matter how many guys were around him, whether it
1: was two, three, or
0: four, he was able to finish at the rim so much?
1: I feel like I think it was it was that Bucks Heat game over the weekend, and they flashed a stat, and it was Giannis Antetokounmpo was second in the NBA in paint points with 16.2 a game. Zion nearly averaged four points better in the paint per game. He's still average. I mean, as much as every time we see it, we, we show that. I think one of the big things that people say is, well, you know, oh, he, he's just doing that in the paint. Don't then stop him. I mean, he's averaging 27 points a game overall. If it's that easy, then stop it. And And I think that. As he starts to, we saw toward the end of the year, uh, thanks to Teaspoon, I guess, uh, we saw saw the little baseline pull-up. We saw him start to shoot that shot just under the free throw line as well. As he becomes more comfortable with those little pull-up jumpers, I think you're going to see just another uh, level of his offense uh, grow. And then that's going to lead again to to more assists, And it's going to lead to Uh, a a better flowing offense. I know at times this year, you know, time this year, this was the, you know, the Pelicans had the best offense in the league and at times it was, it was not the best. And I think you'll start to see them trend more upwards uh, as the spacing in and as Z takes another
2: step. You know, I don't want to get into the number of times that Zion gets to the free throw line, but one, uh, another encouraging thing about him was his free throw percentage did, did go up he's almost at, he was almost at 70% this season. Um, If he makes another, even if he makes even half of the improvement next season that he did this year, that's going to help a ton. And obviously the number of times that he gets there is a lot, even if, you know, some people might want to see it go up even more. So um, I think that was another, another really good sign of his game of the fact that he's getting better in that area is going to be so huge as time goes on.
0: Jim, I'll start with you and then go to Andrew on this one. I think one of the things that when I asked uh, some national reporters or broadcasters about what sticks out to them from year one to year two with Zion is availability. And besides the last part of the season with that fractured index finger or ring finger, I should say that he played in almost every single game. There was that one false positive in Los Angeles. They didn't get to play him, but for the most part, Zion was readily available compared to last year. How big of a difference was that for him just from a, a rhythm standpoint, Jim? And I'll go to Andrew as far as that being so helpful for him, knowing that he was healthy throughout most of the season.
2: Definitely, because I, I know people were questioning that, you know, the tw- he played 24 games out of 72 as a rookie and then, you know, had that long stretch where he wasn't on the court. This season he played 61 games. And like you said, if you take away that, that latter part of the season where he missed the, you know, the last handful of games, I think it was the last six with an injury. He was really on the court. He was on the court 61 of the first 66 games. So that was huge. I mean, I think just going forward, that's, that was a great sign. And I think it was a, I don't know if relief is the right word, but after the stuff that he went through his first season, I mean, it was great to to have him on the court. So consistently this time.
1: I still think the biggest smile, that we saw from Zion all season was preseason when we asked him about not having minutes so or any sort yeah. of, 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 uh, of anything holding him back. And, and to, to Jim's point of those 61 of the first 66 games, one was the false positive in Los Angeles. And the second was that, uh, let me take a little break before the all-star game uh, mm-hmm. because my ankle was a little bit sore game that probably he can play through most nights. Uh, he had the, the thumb injury that he played through where he missed three games. Um, and that was an injury that, that you know, David Griffin said is, is probably one that would have required surgery for, for, for most players. And he wanted to play through it. And obviously maybe if things were a little bit closer at the end, maybe he could have came back for, for maybe even those last two games of the regular season. So I think he answered a lot of questions on, on that end. Uh, obviously one year does not, I think, completely erase those questions. Um, there will still be there, and every 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 fall, every little tweak, he's going to be. Um, it, it's going to be monitored, and, and I, I think even going back to the 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 injury to the finger, the, the the that ended his season. I remember that was like the first time I think I saw him in that Golden State game right before the that five game road trip. I think that was the first time I've seen him go to the back in a game and i think it was in 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 it looked bad and you're like okay maybe he's out and then he he comes back that game and still plays on it so um to me it was you know it did look like something that possibly could have been bothering him down the stretch when you look at his shooting numbers he was 50 or below in in for the last five games um which were not that's Normally that's great. If you're any, any player, if you want to, if you can take the last five games of, the, of any point in the season and say you shot 45% from the field, you'll take that. Uh, I mean, 50, 54%, I'm sorry. Um, you'll take that. And, and for Z it's like, uh, well, that's like 13 points under is what he normally does. So uh, I, I think it was, uh, the availability part was definitely big um, to go with the playmaking, but I, I think we'll, we'll continue to see him grow. Like, like I said, again, uh, moving forward.
2: Yeah, he was he was eight for 17 in the last game that he played of the season. And I think people were like, man, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> so it, it says a lot that he he had another game uh, not that long before that against Denver, where he was eight for 17. And those are the kind of games where you put him in a different category, because it's like people are complaining about eight for 17. There There must be something off with this guy, which is almost 50% at a high volume. So yeah, that's the way it's going to be, I think, for Zion.
0: Which is which is good, though. The high expectations and the results that he's able to put out just shows you what type of player he is. Um, before we wrap things up here, I know you talked about growth, Andrew, and I'll start with you and end with Jim. You talk about the defense. You also talked about his offensive game evolving. On the defensive side, if you can get more specific on what aspects of the defensive side that maybe you might want to see from him as far as growth standpoint, if there's a way to measure that. And if so, and then I'll, Jim, I'll, I'll go to you on whether you want to stick with the defensive end or
1: offensive end. So when you, when you bring up Zion's defense, you go back to when, when he was a Duke, and he averaged, uh, you know, I, I think he, it was close to, it was over two steals a game. Uh, it was almost close to two blocks a game. There were people who, you uh, Respected people, not just like random guys, Uh, you know, NBA guys who who do the draft for a living. Um, They were convinced that Zion was not only the best offensive prospect in the draft, but he was the best defensive prospect in the draft. And I think for all of his offensive accolades and every, everything he's been able to accomplish on that end, there's still people who are waiting for him to make the defensive jump. Uh, And I think we saw him take a corner. There were times during his rookie season where He looked lost uh, defensively, Um, rotations and things like that. And it, 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 it it took a while to get going this year. I think we started to see him take steps on that end. Uh, Steps that he's going to have to continue to take quite honestly, but we saw, we saw the blocks go up. We saw the steals go up. We saw the anticipation go up where he was starting to look kind of more like himself, I think. Um, and I still think that's still going to, you know, come. And I, I still think he'll eventually get over a steal a game. Maybe he'll get to a block a game. And, and you'll start to kind of see maybe maybe Duke Z in, in, in that regard. But um, there's definitely that's as, 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 you know, you can talk about outside shot all you want. You, you know, he's still averaging 27 points a game. That's where he still has to take the next step if he wants to become one of the premier guys, he's already one of the premier guys in terms of television draws in terms of, you know, he's probably, you can make the argument, he, he should be on an all NBA team this year. Um, but for him to, to take that next step and solidify those uh, as being every year things, he's got to take that step defensively.
2: Yeah. I think we talked about this a little bit with Mr. Guillory in yesterday's podcast, but I mean, one of the things I want to see is just more open floor um, opportunities for Zion and Brandon Ingram in terms of just their ability to get easy baskets on fast breaks. And I think one of the big motivations for improving defensively could be to just be able to get more easy baskets. And I think I speak for NBA fans and top shot collectors (laughs) also that we we want to see more of Zion in the open floor – dunks. I think we saw that a little bit. We, there's a couple of plays. I remember one in particular where he made a steal, maybe on the defensive end ran all the way down the left sideline and, and dunked on somebody. But um, I would love to see that more regularly. And I think that's part of what Andrew is speaking to in terms of what he did at Duke, where you saw a lot more of those open floor opportunities where the college kids have absolutely no chance of trying to stop him in those situations. I, I think it'll also be the case in the NBA, um, but, but that's, that's definitely, I think not just for Zion, but just for the team as a whole, I think they, they need to get better defensively so that they can make things easier for themselves on the offensive end as well.
0: Good stuff there. That's Jim. I for pelicans.com Andrew Lopez of ESPN.com covering the Pelicans and the NBA of course. Check out Andrew's work. Uh, all this week and next and all this month you know Andrew as he said the offseason is not over for him as he's covering Knicks and Hawks for ESPN and we'll continue to have Andrew on throughout for player recaps but nice for him to join us here for Zion Williamson Andrew I appreciate the time and enjoy the rest of the postseason my friend no problem thanks guys yeah absolutely so the rest of the week we'll have Lonzo Ball on tomorrow's podcast Stephen Adams on Thursday and we'll wrap up the week with Eric Gledsoe, the starting lineup will come to an end and then continue next week. Only four days as we'll take a Monday break for Memorial Day. So Brandon Ingrove yesterday, be sure to check that out on Pelicans.com or the Pelicans mobile app. And all of these will be available on iTunes as well. For Jim Eikenhofer, Andrew Lopez, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CP.